In this episode, Dr. Leah and I take you through each of our top three tips for navigating the holidays. I discuss immune support for my children, navigating newborn health around groups of people, and I provide a framework for managing gift giving with a larger family. Dr. Leah then discusses her favorite substitutes if you have common food intolerances but still want to enjoy that delicious holiday food, a mindset shift for those who are trying to conceive and disappointed to not be pregnant during this time, and balancing the enjoyment of food with feeling good so that you can find more joy in your eating. This is our last episode of season three, and we have a break coming up, so be sure to listen to the end to stay informed. Welcome to Healthy as a Mother, the podcast for becoming and being a mother, with your co-hosts, Dr. Leah Gordon and Dr. Morgan McDermott, two naturopathic doctors who get it. Each week, we teach you how to be the healthiest mother you can be, from fertility and preconception to pregnancy and birth prep, through postpartum and throughout motherhood, empowering you with the natural health guidance and education you're not getting elsewhere, so you can confidently navigate the broken system at large. The real, the raw, the untalked about. And remember, this information is not intended to diagnose, treat, or manage any disease. Always consult with your doctor before making any changes. All right. This is the last episode of season three, and we are going to talk about our personal management strategies for various things that have to do with the holidays. So for me, I'm going to be talking about the ways that I support my kids with immune support, how to keep my newborn safe and healthy amongst, you know, being around all these different people and family for holiday gatherings, but also not being anxious about it. And then how we do gifts in my family now is a bigger one and how we kind of manage it. And you, Dr. Leah, are going to talk about... Yeah, I'm going to talk about basically navigating food intolerances. This is a big thing in my family as we get together for the holidays. And then what it's like going through the holidays, wanting to be pregnant and not being pregnant. And then how I'm kind of managing this balance between doing healthy things and staying healthy, but also not depriving myself and having joy and indulgence in certain ways. So we have how we find that balance. So it's going to be a fun episode. It really is all about balance too. And I think that this is something that's coming out more, at least that I'm seeing on social media is people being a little bit less dogmatic about all of their um, health choices in a way that is balancing that the stress of it. Yeah. And I think that is really wise because as we know, if you are so stressed about these health choices all the time, you know, is it, is that blueberry organic? Is that mm-hmm. thing you know, have any plastic in it, et cetera. That sort of a stress is actually probably more detrimental than the actual toxin would be to your system. So you need to be mindful and kind of integrate these methods into just your habits so you don't have to think about them. So they don't take a lot of mental stress. So it's not a paralysis by analysis kind of thing or decision fatigue, but then really just be present, enjoy your life, YOLO, like, you know, there's a, it's a fine balance. YOLO, but sort of. It's a whole <laughs> time for another day. But yes. um, let's, yeah, I think the balance is huge. And I think the holidays are a great time to practice that because I think the people who hold very strict practices are very challenged during this time. Um, and not to say that like the health practices that we do aren't good and healthy, but yeah, it's a great time to practice this principle of balance, which I actually teach in one of my courses called the joyful eating formula, but it's kind of the way that I came across food intolerances and how to navigate that, which I can bring up. That's, I'm going to talk about that in my segment. So let's get started. Um, let's start with you, Dr. Morgan. Why don't you talk about your first 
little tidbit. My little point. Okay, here. So immune support. So if you are a parent already listening to this, you know this sort of quote unquote sick season it can be really challenging, especially if you have multiple children, because then illness can kind of blow through your house and someone's always sick for like weeks on end. <laughs> and so there's there's some kind of main things that you can do at home as a parent to be empowered during this. First of all, we just need to understand that kids are going to get sick and it's okay and it's good. And actually, if your child is not getting sick, that is more concerning. So in the first couple of years of life, they're going to be sick almost like monthly is the way that it averages out. But, you know, that would, that means that sometimes there'll be months and months where there's no sickness. And then there'll be, you know, something you just get slammed with like two or three viruses at a time later on, et cetera. So we just really need to understand as parents that it's normal for them to get sick and that's okay. Um, it's actually good for them. We have this gland when we are kids, kind of in between our lungs area, it's right underneath your sternum. It's called the thymus gland. And it only is there during adolescence and it starts to atrophy as they get older and then it's gone by puberty. And the thymus gland is where we're getting all of our maturation of our immune system and our immune cells. And it really needs input from the environment and from the area around us and you know these viruses, bacteria, fungi, whatever it is, so that it can grow and develop and that we can have these lifelong immunities. So we need to be giving that that stimulus. Not that you need to go find sickness, because of course it will find you. <laughs> go to a jump park. <laughs> That's what you need to do. <laughs> go to a trampoline park, and you'll find plenty of sickness <laughs> for your child's whole life. Did you do that? <laughs> oops, oops, I did that. So we did, <laughs> we just got monthly passes for our kids for the winter, and it's it's really fun to go. I love it, and I'm kind of just like, okay, like you know, what can I do? There is some stuff I can do. Like, so we always wash our hands afterwards or like if they're going to eat a snack at the jump park, I have a little um, lavender <laughs> essential oil based like hand sanitizer spray that I'll spray on their hands. But like, otherwise I try not to fuss about it that much, but this is again, that balance, right? So anyways, I think that in, in my first point here, what I want to say is we need to not think about that we are able to prevent sickness in our kids because you're not, and you really don't even want to do that. So that being said, there's a lot of natural health things that you can use to support your child's well-being and their progression through the illness. I have an entire kind of webinar course. The way that mm -hmm. it was recorded was as a webinar, but I've split it up now into a really easy digestible um, several video lesson course on natural cold and flu care remedies for children. And yes. it actually is applicable from newborns up through you know, puberty beyond, you would basically just increase the dose. Um, but I think the most of the people probably listening to this podcast have those little kids, right? And so I talk about my favorite homeopathic remedies, herbal remedies, nutraceuticals, supplements, home remedies that you can do using like hydrotherapy, meaning the use of water in a therapeutic sense. Um, I, I talk about how to use an otoscope and a really easy little otoscope that you can get on Amazon so that you can look in your child's ear and decide at least in a very rugged, rough way, is this like something that needs to go be seen by a pediatrician? Is this okay, et cetera? If you think they have an ear infection, you know, I, there's so much information in it and yeah. it's really affordable. So if you're wanting more, I, I highly suggest it. I've gotten really good feedback. It's basically a dump of all of my favorite things. So yeah, it's so good. And this is like, there's so much to go into. You can't even explain in a podcast. That's why we make little courses. So definitely exactly. go check out her course. It's so valuable. Uh, thanks. Thanks. Yeah. That's on milkmedicine.com. So go check that out. But what I want to say is I would say three things are my top, are, are 
a couple of things that I've learned along the way that are mind-blowingly effective for my children. So number one is wet socks. I talk about this Mm -hmm. again in the course, but I'll just outline it here really quickly. So wet socks is the idea of using, this is a hydrotherapy technique. You're putting cold, wet socks on your child's feet right before bed that are like little just cotton socks. And then you put normal dry wool socks on top of them and they go to bed. And so now they're wearing these two pairs of socks. They go to sleep. This is like a gentle way to stimulate the vitality and, um, you know, innate wisdom of the body to pump blood flow because your body's going to try to dry the sock. So it's going to be pumping blood flow down to your feet. This can be helpful for if your child has head congestion or a headache as well, because it'll pull a lot of that extra fluid down towards the feet. But it also in this, um, same like mechanism, it increases immune function and cells by sort of this flushing action. So that one, mm-hmm. I'm, that's like the very quick brief, but it is amazing. It's amazing. I am obsessed with wet socks. I use it myself all the time on my own self. I was going to say, I did this the other day. My husband was sick and I didn't want to get sick. So I did wet socks three nights in a row and I never got sick. And I, I guarantee it was from that because a hundred percent, anytime I'm feeling run down, you know, I did it the other day. I had a clogged duct Mm -hmm. and I was like, okay, anything I can do at all to help this. And I did it. And I really do think it helped. Anyways, number two, Exlear spray. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's, Often people pronounce it X clear, but there actually is no C. I don't know why they should have just thrown a C in there, but either way, X Lear, L E A R. And it's a nasal spray, like a saline spray, but it has xylitol in it. And the xylitol helps prevent viruses and bacteria from colonizing along the mucosal lining of your nose. So they can't actually stick. So then therefore they can't replicate and then make you sick. So if you've been exposed to people that are sick, or even if you are actively sick, I think it's a great one to use and they make a baby one, a kid's one, an adult one, et cetera. That's like an amazing, fantastic tip. Number three, last thing I'll say is homeopathic aconitum napellus. Mm. <laughs> we'll write all this down in the show notes. <laughs> Here's the language you must learn to hear what we have to say. I know. I mean, it's like, why couldn't they think it's because they're German. They're, it's like a German mm-hmm. ba- root base of these homeopathic words. Anyways, um, aconitum is a remedy that is used for sort of this picture of shock or fright, but it also has this um, ability to nip any kind of uh, beginning illness in the bud. So like if you are first starting to feel the symptoms of a cold, of anything coming on, especially if it's coming on quickly, it could be a fever, it could be a runny nose, or all of a sudden you just feel like really, you're like, oh my God, am I getting sick? Taking a couple of doses of aconite can absolutely stop and halt the progress. Awesome. It's amazing. And I have used it multiple times and I kind of always forget about it until it's a little bit too late. If you, Mm -hmm. if you use it after the illness has really established itself, it won't work. It's really only for that first very beginning. So those are my things that I wanted to say about that. Why don't you share a point and we'll just kind of go back and forth. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. So I'll talk about food intolerances in the holidays. Uh, Not everybody... has this experience. You can get together at gatherings and have your family over and everyone can eat whatever you could ever imagine, but that is not the case in our house. (laughs) Um, I mean, depending on which family I'm with, my husband's or myself, there's a slew of different food intolerances, but it's tricky because, you know, we want to engage and do a lot of the fun holiday things like Christmas cookies and pie and, you know, all of these fun, sweet treats. Yet we and my family collaboratively between my sister, parents, my husband, myself, and I can't have gluten, dairy, corn, oats, soy, or uh, what's the other one? She can't have like tree nuts and uh, – Well, Mike can't have hazelnuts. No, actually, he can 
have hazelnuts, he can't have kiwi. That's not a holiday thing. Anyways, there's a lot of things. But the biggest things that impact us in the holidays are the, are the core things that are everything is made from, which is gluten, dairy, um, corn, and then soy, like chocolate has soy in it and everything. So we're just really careful about picking alternatives and and navigating all of that. We don't let – so there's certain things that we just find alternatives for. For example – stuffing we like to make kind of a thanksgiving version at christmas time and i love stuffing and oh eggs sadie can't have egg oh gosh it just makes it so challenging (laughs) but yeah that's really hard yeah but she can have like small amounts of it but there's just ways that you can figure it out like i think a lot of people if they have a new onset diagnosis maybe they themselves have been told not to eat certain things or their kid has been told not to eat certain things. They just feel like they can't engage in any of the holiday treats and treasures. And I'm here to tell you that that's not true. There are so many alternatives for things. And I'll just highlight a few brands and things to think about. Um, There are absolutely soy-free chocolate chips. So if someone needs that, you can make a lot of chocolate things without soy and without dairy. Um, There's amazing brands. My favorite dairy-free brands for doing alternatives are Forager, They make awesome yogurt. So if any recipe calls for yogurt, they make a great dairy alternative yogurt. They make – that's probably my favorite for them. Kite Hill has awesome cream cheese. So if people want to make some sort of dish that calls for cream cheese, Kite Hill has awesome dairy-free cream cheese. If you are wanting to do gluten-free, my favorite brand for gluten-free flour is uh, King Arthur. They make a wonderful one-to-one gluten-free flour. So if you are new to the gluten-free world and have heard a lot of things, there's a lot in the past with gluten-free baking that was just terrible, (laughs) but they have really come a long way and you can do a lot of recipes one-for-one substituting with these gluten-free flour substitutions. Um, If you want, there is a guide that I'll put in the show notes below of some of my favorite Recipes that we use that are kind of alternatives to these, like apple pie made with almond flour and, um, you know, desserts that are just really easy. Another fun one that we do is the classic Muddy Buddy mix that chocolate and peanut butter and powdered sugar and stuff. So we use rice checks because we can't have corn or wheat, but there's a rice option. And then you can substitute if you don't eat peanuts, you can always substitute almond butter, sunflower butter, any of these other butters, getting the dairy-free chocolate chips. And then you can make your own powdered sugar. You know, if you can't have the corn or the caking agents that are in powdered sugar, you can just pulverize cane sugar in a blender to make powdered sugar. And there's just so many options and alternatives. So we do that a lot. We make gluten-free stuffing. There's egg substitutes. So I just want to be a voice for someone who's maybe navigating this, that you don't have to be sad or depressed on the holidays. There's so many alternatives and ways to do that. And um, yeah, that's just what I want to say about that. So what's your next tip? Well, when you were talking about the Muddy Buddies, I just thought of those Artisana nut butter blends. Have you ever had those? Yes, I think I yeah, have. Yeah, there's, there's a almond butter hazelnut, like a chocolate almond oh butter hazelnut one that would gosh. make a ridiculous Muddy Buddy. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. That sounds so good. Anyway. And actually this year I have a, a gluten-free sourdough starter because they make gluten-free sourdough bread. And I found an account on Instagram that does a bunch of like cinnamon rolls and all sorts of stuff using the starter for sourdough, but to make desserts, Ooh. I'm definitely going to be doing that. <laughs> well, and I think your point here too is this that, and I mean, this is something that we would encourage all the time, but you're going to be making a lot of the stuff when yeah. you have 
these kinds of sort of quote unquote restrictions or intolerances, right? Like, and that's how it should be anyways, because then yeah. you, you get to avoid all of the preservatives and the crappy ingredients that don't jive with your body. So, yeah. Okay. My second thing is I wanted to say, I wanted to talk specifically about keeping a newborn safe. So mm-hmm. I know that there's a lot of you that are having these little winter babies and it is worrisome, you know, RSV and strep throat right now are just running rampant <laughs> and it, it makes me nervous. You know, I haven't actually been as nervous as I am this time any with any of my other previous winter babies, which all of them are either October or December. <laughs> so, um, but I think because Sunny has this laryngomalacia thing, you know, it sounds like her breathing is already compromised and I worry about it. So it's got me thinking that maybe there's other people who are worried about this as well. And I wanted to share, these are the three things that I'm doing and that I will be doing um, all throughout the winter here. Anytime I'm in groups of people where she could be getting exposed. So like I mentioned before, they do make a baby X layer spray. So I have been putting that in her nose once or twice a day. I mean, sometimes I forget, so I don't. But um, right now, there's other kids in my house that are sick, so I'm giving it to her twice a day. Again, it has that xylitol sugar in it that prevents the viruses and bacteria from being able to stick. I'm hoping that that will help keep her safe from you know any exposure she may have had. Secondarily, there's things that you can take if you're breastfeeding that will help kind of give your milk a boost. So if she gets sick, I'm not going to do this preventatively. I feel like my breast milk is probably pretty solid and nutrient dense. You know, I'm still taking my postpartum supplements, incredibly key. That means the needed prenatal and my omega and um, some herbs for stress support. Again, that's by needed. And then what else am I taking? Um, A probiotic for myself. So those things will go and pass through my milk to her. But if she becomes actually acutely sick, I would take things like echinacea or other respiratory herbs if that's the way that it was. Or I would maybe take N-acetylcysteine in higher doses so that it could pass to her and help, you know, her process, whatever it is that's going on. I talk about this again in my um, natural cold and flu care webinar course thing. there's a slide called breast milk boost and I kind of outline how you could do that. So I would be doing that if, if I need to. And then the third thing is baby wearing. This is your key. You guys, if you have to wear, or if you have to get on an airplane or you're going to be at a Christmas party or anywhere in a group and you are worried about illness or you're worried about people trying to touch your baby, talk to your baby, asking to hold your baby. And you don't really know how you're going to navigate that, especially if it's around family just slap that baby in a carrier, (laughs) cover their head with a little hood. If it's one of those carriers, like a a buckle carrier that has a hood and be, Oh, sorry, the baby's sleeping. Oh yeah. (laughs) She's so happy. She's so comfortable right here. (laughs) And then people can look from afar and they're not going to get too close. They're not going to be able to touch her. You know, um, sometimes older generations think that it's okay to like kiss babies on the lips and things or, or just Mm -hmm. touch them too much. And that, that's just, you know, it's a generational thing, but we just can't do that anymore. And um, probably never could, but they did anyways. <laughs> um, but We've were- solved all of the, the complex problems of the world. They were kissing people on the lips. <laughs> the plague. <laughs> exactly. Oh, oh my God. God, that's so funny. Anyways, especially on an airplane, like that is such an, an easy mm-hmm. way to keep your baby sort of in this little bubble of being just in your sphere and not, you know, mm. touching other surfaces and things. Even if you have a little older baby, it doesn't have to be a newborn for this. Um, it just is an easy way to keep them kind of isolated near you. They're easy access to the breast if they're breastfeeding. 
Um, and then I guess a fourth little bonus one that I'd say is just no, having a couple of homeopathic remedies that you know about that can help with your child if they do get sick. So again, that aconitum, if they're starting to get something, you can give that. I really like belladonna as well, or, or even oscillating between belladonna and aconitum for fevers. Really quick little plug here just to say it because I said it on my Instagram account the other day and there was a couple of people who wrote me that they did not know this. If your baby under three months old spikes a fever, which a fever in a child is either a rectal temperature of 100.4 or above or an armpit temperature, they say of about like 99 or above because the armpit is going to be less accurate. Although that one's kind of tricky because you know, take it several times. If you really think if, if in the armpit, it's like a hundred or something, then yes. Okay. If it's in the armpits, 99.5, you might need to try an alternative method. But if your baby is spiking a fever, any of those temperatures that are considered a fever and they're under three months, it's immediate. It's an, it's an emergency. You need to go to the hospital. You need to get them tested because what we're ruling out here is meningitis, whether it's mm-hmm. viral or bacterial. And it is really important. And um, this is near and dear to my heart because one of my friend's babies became really ill with viral meningitis when she was three weeks, three weeks old last year. And, you know, we were texting about it and trying to figure out like, what are we going to do? And she, she decided to go to the hospital and she's so glad that she did. And it can feel when you're in this kind of natural world, there's no way I'm going, but you know what, like this is the time and the place. So I just have to mm-hmm. say that I don't want to freak anybody out, but <clears throat> better safe than sorry. Mm-hmm. So those would be my tips. Baby wear, learn some homeopathics get that baby axillary spray. And if you are breastfeeding, first of all, your breast milk is like, you know, magical medicine in and of itself, but you can also do things to help increase it if you need. Awesome. I love that. Great tips. Let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. Illness around the holidays can be such a bummer and it might feel like everyone you know is sick. Luckily, our favorite immune support powder by Needed is both delicious and effective, and it can be taken by the entire family. Yep. It's safe for you and your children, whether you're trying to conceive, pregnant already, or postpartum. It mixes easily into water or any other liquid or food like yogurt, and I also love adding it into my gelatin gummy recipes for my children. With elderberry, zinc, pre- and postbiotics to support your microbiome, this yummy berry powder is sure to be a new family favorite. Go to thisisneeded.com and use code HEALTHYMOTHER for 20% off. Again, if you go to thisisneeded.com, you can save 20% off with the code healthy mother. Okay, back to the show. So for anyone listening, this is probably really confusing because we keep going back and forth based on which phase you're in, whether you <laughs> have children or not. We probably could have, you know, chunked it differently, but hopefully that's okay. If anyone is still with us and <laughs> it does not have children <laughs> um, and is struggling with the idea of wanting to be pregnant you know, either around the holidays or just in general, and you are not, whether you are currently trying to conceive, struggling with infertility, I got you. I have some tips for you. And this could be primary infertility or secondary. Secondary means you already have a child and you're trying to get pregnant again, which is where I am technically. Um, So either way, the holidays can be really, really triggering. I know for me during our infertility journey, which, you know, because we're male factor and it's ongoing, the fact that we can't get pregnant on our own I am still in my infertility journey. Um, You know, I wish that we could have gotten pregnant six months ago, naturally on our own. I wish that I didn't have to now fly back to California and have to do a bunch of, you know, testing and injections and go to a clinic and pay a bunch of money just to have the opportunity to get pregnant and not even be guaranteed that 
opportunity. Um, and so the holidays have been the most triggering for me and still continue to be a, a challenging time. So for people in that space, what my advice is, first and foremost, feel your emotions. Mor- Dr. Morgan knows this is hard for me. <laughs> I was going to say, it's not like you're being hypocritical, but... <laughs> it is hard for me. It is hard for me, but it's tough because... It's not you know, that you don't want to. It's just that you you need someone else to be there to help facilitate yes. it for you. But you know that about yourself. So that's great. I do know that about myself. So in order for me to feel my emotions, I have to externally process. Everyone processes differently. So that would be my first step is to process how you're feeling. And processing is allowing things to move through you. And, you know, I've had moments even in the last few weeks that have been really hard where I have, you know, just cried and sobbed and have been so sad. But I personally don't just go into like a room by myself and cry and like really feel like I move my stuff through. I really have to find a safe place, a safe person that I can talk to. And that's when it triggers me to process my stuff. But everyone's different. Some people process through physical movement. Some people process through journaling. Some people process through just being alone, thinking about it. So I think identifying how you process and then doing that process to feel your feelings and allowing them to come up, you know, because I'm not good at feeling my feelings historically in the past at holiday events or whatever, if I got together with, you know, friends or family who had a new baby or were pregnant or just told me they were having a baby, you know, I would fight back tears. And I know now what I should have done is excuse myself and go to my car or to a room or a bathroom and cry. Because every time you, you know, restrict your body from feeling what you're feeling, it just makes it worse and it's harder on you and your system. So feel what you're feeling, let it move through you in whatever way is needed for you. And then I would say, you know, not everybody's an energetically sensitive person, but if you are, or if you like this practice, doing a prayer, a meditation, an energy intention before you go to holiday gatherings where you don't feel like you're raw and open. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, this might just go over your head, but we are all energetic beings. We give and receive energy from each other. And oftentimes if we haven't put some sort of like, I don't like calling it protection because it makes it sound like the other things outside of us aren't safe, but just putting up a, a barrier around yourself so that you kind of contain your own energy and you don't necessarily feel other people's energy as much. This can kind of help. If you process, you cry, and then you kind of put up an energetic barrier where maybe the emotion or the thought or feeling of somebody else doesn't impact you as much as it would if you hadn't done a practice like that. So basically putting up an energetic barrier can just help your emotions not feel like they're they're raw and just out there easily exposed and influenced. And you can kind of just protect yourself a little bit in situations that feel vulnerable. And then the last thing is to just have a daily practice of of gratitude for what you do have, which I know sounds hard to hear but it can help shift perspective. So for example, for me going through the holidays, it was always so sad when I didn't have a baby, when I wasn't pregnant, but I remembered to shift into gratitude of how much I love my husband, how amazing our relationship is, how you know, there's other things in my life, there's other things that 
our infertility allowed us to have, like traveling and having a strong relationship that we were allowed to have, you know, without the distraction of children and all of these other things. And so even though things get really hard when you have adversity, it often is easier. Once you process, you don't ignore your feelings, but you do shift into gratitude for what you do have. And you never know, like your sister who maybe just told you she's pregnant might not actually have a very good relationship with her partner and you might actually be happier. You don't know. Not that like it's a comparison thing and you want to like be better or not, but you don't know what people's struggles are, even though it might seem on the outside that like, oh, they have this perfect life. Like count your blessings because until you get into the depths of people's lives, you might not realize like maybe they got pregnant easily, but maybe they're struggling with some other thing that you don't know about that you aren't struggling with. So just something to keep in mind and just remember that everyone's journey is their own. And, you know, it's so hard to know why we each have struggles. But one thing I can tell you is we all have struggles in some form or fashion. No one gets through life without any growth challenges. Um, And so it might not feel fair if yours is a growth challenge of something like starting a family, which might be more what you want more than anything in the whole world. But uh, just know that everyone's journey is their own and you know, work through your feelings of jealousy or resentment or any of that with somebody because they're valid and and totally, you know, okay and appropriate. But just know at the end of the day that we're all walking our own path in that regard. I love that. I think it's like the being able to zoom out to that 10,000 foot view, um, you know, when you're in the weeds and you're feeling really like frustrated, exhausted, disappointed, whatever it is to be able to kind of zoom out and be like, whoa, okay, also I will get through this or like this will be over or I won't always feel this low, this down um, is really helpful for me, you know, in a a different kind of um, situation. But even just postpartum, there have been times with this postpartum where I'm like, oh my gosh, and I just have to tell myself, I'm so happy that this baby's here. I'm so happy Mm -hmm. that you know, and, and knowing like, I will get through these tough times and same thing for this situation too. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Okay. My last point is about gifts and gift giving and how we kind of manage that because when you have multiple children, it becomes a uh, like multi-thousand dollar thing really quick. You're not <laughs> mindful of it. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> and we also have two birthdays in the early December. Oh it's ridiculous. Don't get pregnant in March. <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> I really highly, ten, zero out of 10 recommend that. Um, maybe what is going to happen when they're older is that we'll be able to convince them to instead celebrate a half birthday in the summer and like mm-hmm. go on a trip or something. But for right now, it's hashtag broke December. But so what we try to follow <laughs> anytime there's gifts is we follow that. You may have heard this cute little um, poem kind of thing. It's something that they want, something that they need, something to wear and something to read. Mm. So want, need, wear, read. I love or that. Sometimes, yeah, it's really nice. It's a, it provides a framework, so you're not just going off the rails. It it doesn't always mean that we only get one thing in each category. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes you know the the want category, there's like two or three things, or sometimes the wear because they need more of the wearing, or like the need category sometimes can be ambiguous because like, well, what does that mean? Like last year, my older daughter needed like a new bed frame, so like that mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what we got her because we were it was kind of a bigger purchase we got the cheapest one we possibly could, but we were still like, okay, man, on top of everything else, like this is, so we just framed it for her. Like you're getting a big girl bed and as part of your Christmas gift. And she was absolutely stoked. You know, she was mm-hmm. turned four and that was a huge deal for her. So yeah. you can kind of like frame some of these things that they need that you just have to buy anyways. 
as gifts Mm -hmm. um, because kids are just, you know, and it always is like this too, that the thing that you would never think was that cool ends up being their favorite thing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like we've had this tradition with their birthdays where on the morning that they wake up on their birthday, we have our gifts that we're giving them out on our kitchen Island with a big um, golden balloon of the number that they're turning. And I swear that foil balloon is the <laughs> most exciting thing to p- screw all the other gifts. They yeah. don't the balloon is what they're like playing with forever and ever, you know, yeah. anyways. So that's kind of just an, an idea for encouragement as you tack on kids into your family and you're trying to figure out what to do and buying things that are, um, you know, not just needlessly buying and needlessly consuming, but getting something that, and, and also I think it's valuable to show that clothing and books are on the same plane as toys. Mm-hmm. Like it is cool to get a book. It is cool to get some, some clothes, you know? Mm-hmm. And usually if you live in a place with four seasons then you'll need to be getting them the next size up with their winter clothing anyways. So if you can make it to Christmas, if you can kind of hold out, it's mm-hmm. always a nice thing to be like, Hey, this is a gift for you. It's something that they already needed, but you can, you know, they're little kids. Like, yeah. I don't really know. So Anyways, that's kind of how we plan it. It works well. And I wanted to share that because when I learned about it, I was like, holy crap, thank you. Yeah, that's great. I love that. I'm going to do that as well. Gosh, that's so fun. Okay. Yeah, it's sweet. It's sweet. Cool. All right. My last tip is for me, you know, we are preparing for getting pregnant soon. So I'm in that very much season of like trying to conceive, quote unquote, but like we can't conceive naturally. We have to do IVF. But Um, I'm still trying to be healthy and not go crazy through during the holidays. And my sense of the holidays for me personally is all all very much centered around food. If you can't tell, I love food, (laughs) Um, which is a big bummer that I and my family and everyone around me that's like close to me around the holidays is very restricted with food. But I'm a foodie. I love food. I love sharing in community that way. My family is very much like, let's make a fun dessert and watch Christmas movies type of people, um, which isn't necessarily like the most fertility friendly practices. So um, like, what do we do during the holidays? How how am I going to navigate this? There's a principle that I kind of came up with when helping patients navigate finding out food intolerances initially. And I call it the joyful eating formula. And what how it works is basically there's a way that certain treats, desserts, you know, sugar, special food might be fun and delightful, but sometimes they don't make you feel very good. And sometimes people don't feel good from certain foods and practices because they actually like are reacting to them, like a food intolerance. Sometimes it's just, you know, if you eat a pound of sugar, like you might not feel good no matter who you are. Um, And so that whole like, I feel so tired after eating Thanksgiving dinner. I feel like so bloated. I feel so like uncomfortable or my joints are hurting. I feel puffy and inflamed. Like these are the things that my family experiences around the holidays um, just because we are more sensitive people. And so how do we navigate that? I shared already that we do try to choose healthier alternatives for desserts and, you know, things like that. So I'm not just eating, you know, a full on dairy and gluten pie. However, I practice this principle of what brings me joy? And when I get clear with myself of how do I feel if I eat two cookies, right? Like let's say we've made healthy Christmas cookies or healthier Christmas cookies, you know, without buttermilk, we made them some way that I can have them. It 
might you might think in your mind, oh, I'm going to eat 10 cookies, or you just want to keep eating cookies, keep eating cookies. But there's a point where you actually don't feel very good anymore. And it goes, there's this pendulum that swings from like having some nice enjoyment to I feel like crap. Yeah. And there's this, like you check in with yourself all the time, like what's going to bring me more joy? For me, let's say someone presents these cookies that we made. It's going to bring me more joy to have one of them for sure versus having zero. So I check in with myself, what's going to bring me more joy? But then from a health and a mental emotional perspective, I say, what's going to bring me more joy when I want to go reach for more? Am I going to have more joy having the two cookies that I enjoyed and not feeling bloated, puffy, having joint pain and all of that? Is it going to bring me more joy to eat 10 of them and feel that way? And I think when you approach it like that in the sense that overindulging or or choosing something that's maybe not as healthy actually doesn't make you have more joy. When you frame things like that, I think it's all very positive because it doesn't mean that you have to restrict, but it also gives you a framework for not overindulging in the sense that everything you're choosing is what brings you joy. So for example, if I went to a holiday gathering and they had something that I knew if I ate wouldn't make me feel good, I really check in with myself and I say, okay, that looks good. It smells so good. Everyone's enjoying it. Will me eating that bring me more joy or will me not eating that bring me more joy because I'll feel better later in the day? And I've gotten to a point, and it's a practice, I'm not saying anyone's perfect, of learning what foods do or do not make you feel good, but really empoweringly feeling like I can say no to that or I can limit that thing and that actually is joyful to me versus feeling like I can't eat that. I'm cheating. Like this is not like, you know, just the guilt, the shame, the cheating energy or the like intensity of like, I have to eat all of these because I never get to eat this stuff. Like there's just a lot of emotions and feelings that can come up around being exposed to food. You don't get a lot having fun things that are treats. It's like, how do you create this moderation and how do you move through the holidays? Not, not, being super restrictive, but not being overindulgent and, and looking back on your holiday experience of like overall, everything about that was joyful. Um, and so that's kind of how I do it. And I, I navigate things piece by piece, same with like just lounging around all day and moving none, (laughs) like, you know, what's going to bring me more joy? Like, am I actually going to feel more joy if I get up and like take a walk with you know, my family? And is is that going to make me feel better than just sitting on the couch and, you know, binging holiday movies? And so just framing it instead of, well, I have to do this thing because this is unhealthy or, you know, these like things that we tell ourselves or sometimes health influencers or just ideas kind of get into our head. It's just all done from a place of joy. I love that. And it's it's something that your kids are going to have to learn as well. Like when you, it's not very much fun as a parent to watch your kid overindulge in candy and sugar. But what is cool is them making that connection for their own body and having that embodied lived experience of, Oh, I actually feel like crap now and helping them kind of recognize that, you know, Oh, you know, it's fun to eat these things, but when we eat too much Mm -hmm. and then, you know, you're hoping that down the line, they'll have this experience that they end up not doing that very often because they have this barometer inside their own body. And, you know, a lot of us don't have that now as adults for whatever reason, and we have to learn it, but it is so important. It's kind of like with alcohol, right? Like you can have one 
beer or cocktail or whatever, but do you want to deal with the hangover later of drinking like six of them? <laughs> because that's not fun. That's right. that's actually like the least fun thing that I can possibly think of. I will <laughs> never, ever have a hangover ever again in my life because I'm so adverse to that. There's nothing that you could possibly, no <laughs> delicious alcoholic treat is ever going to get me to have a mm -hmm. hangover again. That is the worst possible feeling I could possibly feel. Anyway, especially while you're parenting. My gosh, no way. Yeah. So anyway, thank you for thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Yep. So have a joyful holiday. I feel like hopefully these tips and tricks were helpful at some point along your journey wherever you are through the holidays and you know, share this episode with other people. Let's say you don't have kids, but you know of someone who does, they might benefit from this and vice versa. If you know someone struggling to conceive, like share this episode and hopefully it will be helpful for everybody through the holiday season. All right, that's the oh. wrap up. The last thing we want to say is because yes. we're wrapping up season three is an effort for us to spend more time with our family during the holidays is that we are going to be taking a little bit of a break between season three and season four. So we will be back February 1st, but we are taking a six week break so that we can catch a break, catch a breath and just spend time with our family. So just letting you guys know that. And we have an awesome season four already all planned out and it's going to be super cool. We always take your recommendations to heart. So if you have an idea for an episode of something that you want to hear, write us on Instagram, email us, whatever. Uh, we want to know because we're making this for you. And so uh, pretty much the entire season four is ideas that have been written in from listeners. So just know that it's not like we're ignoring you. We absolutely love that. And we hope that you guys have a great holiday. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Healthy as a Mother podcast. In order for others to hear this information, please leave a review with Apple Podcasts, subscribe, and send to a friend who could benefit from this content. We're so excited to share more on becoming and being a mother next time. And please remember that the ideas and views of this podcast are for informational purposes only and are not intended to serve as a substitute for medical care of any kind, including the diagnosis or treatment of any illness or disease. Consult with your provider before integrating this information into your own care plan. And remember, a healthier future starts now and it starts with you.